I want to get after the Word of God. I think we have a great message in front of us. It is powerful. Um, I listened to a particular message this week. Um, typically when I study, I read some commentaries. Obviously, I'm reading the Word of God first and getting my own ideas, but then some commentaries to just refine me. And then uh, I also will listen to a couple messages and uh, by various people. And, and one message I listened to this week by J.T. English um, was very, very good on this passage. And so we'll probably send that out to you uh, just because we would love for you to have more than 30 minutes on this subject and to really, really capture everything about um, this passage. So we're going to be in John chapter 2, Simply Jesus. This is the last Sunday at Kellogg. I think that was said enough for you to realize it, right? Last Sunday. And um, Lord willing, uh, we're going to be a jam for a while, and then uh, maybe in a building someday, and just kind of cool what all God's done um, Simply Jesus. So first we talked about Jesus revealed. Then we talked about Jesus recognized. And then we talked about Jesus followed. And then we focused on (laughs) Jesus believed. And uh, today, it's Jesus focused. Kind of an interesting way to say it. We need to focus on Jesus, but we need to be Jesus focused. We need to have the same focus Jesus had. We need to look through the same lens Jesus looks through. And um, so Jesus focused. Um, I have a pair of binoculars so I can look out at the deer by my house. And um, this is kind of how that goes. You, uh, you look out and you uh, see, oh wow, you're really big. See if I can find, oh man, Ross, huge muscles. See if I can focus in on that biceps. Oh yeah, there you go. So, so you know, use this little thing here to focus. And um, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to use the Word of God and the story to focus. So I thought I'd show you this picture. This will wig your eyes out a little bit. Uh, take a look at that. Try focusing on the white dots. What happens to the other dots when you focus on one of those white dots? They all get black. I don't know how they do that, but they do. It just focus is a real interesting thing, isn't it? But it's needed. It's necessary. And we need to focus. And um, so Jesus focused. um, Jesus focused. Focused on Jesus. Jesus focused means dying to my own consumer mentality. That's what it means. You might want to write that down. It means dying to my own consumer mentality. Simply stated, not me focused. (laughs) Right? I mean, so much of the world today, so much of the culture, so much of the news, the media, the movies we watch, the books we read, is all about focusing on me. How can I be me focused? How can I be the best me focused ever? (laughs) That's not what we're talking about today. Everybody say, that's not what we're talking about. That's not. We're talking about Jesus-focused. So I'm going to read the passage, and we're going to study God's Word, and I pray that this message will combat, in 30 minutes, will combat all of the 24-7 of the world. That's a tall order. 
So let's pray. God, as we think about all the messages that come our way for 24-7, 365 days a year, and how we're told to be focused on us, to get what we have coming, to make ourselves better and nourish our own flesh. I pray that in this passage, this special passage from Your Word, I pray that in this um, moment, this holy moment that we have together for a few minutes gathered in Your house here at Kellogg for the last time, that we would focus. That we would be Jesus-focused. Cause our eyes to fall on You once again. To lock onto You. To meet Your gaze upon us. And to be thoroughly changed forever. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's read. We have to pick up verse 12. This is a transition and tells us a little bit about the timing. Verse 12, chapter 2 of John. After this, he went down to Capernaum, and his mother and his brothers, with his mothers and brothers, and uh, mothers, did I say mothers? I think you only have one of those. I should just be careful. Here, let me start again. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Unknown time period. But this is the peace. The Passover. Well, that's between March, April. I mean, their timetable is different than ours. So that kind of gets us timing down. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple... He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who sold pigeons... Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Psalm 69. You need to write that down. You're going to want to read that. That's a messianic psalm. John quotes it several times in his Gospel. He was obviously very familiar, maybe even had it memorized. And he's quoting it again here. Zeal for your house will consume me. I think if you could leave here with one phrase locked in your mind, zeal for the house of the Lord, that that would consume you, not much should consume you. Not many things should consume you. That should consume you. You should be filled with that. Zeal for the house of God. That's awesome. (laughs) So the Jews said to him, What sign 
Jews meaning religious leaders, right? The authorities. Said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? If you have a New American Standard Bible, the word authority is in there. They're basically like, tell us what authority you have to do this. Really? We're the authority. You're not. So if you're saying you're a new authority, a new prophet, then you need to show us why that's true. Show us a sign. Jesus answered them. Well, that was nice of him because he didn't have to. He said this, Destroy this temple and in three days I will rise it up. I'm going to raise this up. The Jews, the religious leaders, then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And some say it wasn't even finished yet. Herod's temple started in B.C. or 20 B.C. is how you say it. And this was probably around, I'm not going to guess. Okay, it is a guess. Um, A.D. 26? I don't know. 46 years. Let's see. Yep, that's it. So, A.D. 26? We'll just say that. So I'll give you a little timing. Passover of AD 26. We're here. Took us 46 years to build this temple. For Herod to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? How are you going to do that exactly? But he, this is key, but, circle the but, he was speaking about the temple of His body. Makes it really clear, doesn't it? He wasn't speaking about the physical temple. He was speaking about His body. He was speaking about the spiritual thing that was going to happen with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He was talking about what He was going to do for the world and for them. He was going to seek and save the lost. And that was them. And He was reaching out to them When therefore he was raised from the dead, his people, his disciples, remembered, second time that's been said in this passage, disciples remembered. That's really the epitome of focus, isn't it? Is remembering. We as his disciples have to remember Jesus all the time. We need to focus on Jesus all the time. They remembered that he had said this, way back then, three years ago, and they believed, once again, they believed the Scriptures and the Word that Jesus had spoken. I'm going to read these last three verses. I'm not going to preach them today, but I want to at least read them so we don't uh, skip over them. And um, um, maybe we'll come back to it later as well. Okay, There's a lot there. It probably is its own message. Now when He was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed It's an interesting kind of belief though. Be careful. Believed in His name when they saw the signs that He was doing. Belief because of miracles. But Jesus on His part did not entrust Himself to them because He knew all people. Well, that's not a mystery. Jesus created us all. He knows us all intimately. And needed no one to bear witness about man for He Himself knew what was in man. There's a lot there. We'll come back to that another time. There's, we can focus on that some other time, right? But let's stay focused on our passage, 12 to 22. And here's what we need to do, okay? 
I need to be focused. You need to be focused. We, as a church, need to be focused. So I need to be focused. Number one, here it is, verses 13 through 17. I need to be focused like Jesus. It's pretty clear what Jesus was focused on. Let's see it from the text. He was focused on the Passover. That was keeping the law that God had uh, given them. The commands that He had made. A lot of people say He went into the temple, He did this, like He was just like, you know, abolishing the law. No, no, He abolished the law by dying, right? He fulfilled the law, I'll say, by dying, right? So, this isn't Jesus going like, I don't believe in the law. He was actually keeping the law by being there. Um, he went up to Jerusalem. So let's just put this slide on the... Um, I think there's been a lot of kind of parts. I haven't really put a map up yet, but here, let's put this map up. If you just look at the top, at the very top by the Sea of Galilee is Capernaum. And uh, if you see just below that, the 18 miles to Cana, that's where, the, that's where the miracle of the wedding happened, right? With the wine. So he traveled 18 miles north. It's kind of interesting, right? Because it says he went down to Capernaum. When we look at a map, down isn't up. Down is down, right? But when they're talking in the Bible, down is like this, right? It's elevation. So he went down from Cana to Capernaum. Capernaum is lower, okay? 600 feet below sea level, all right? And so when it says he went up to Jerusalem, if you see it, you're going down here to Jerusalem, right? You come down to Jerusalem. I mean, that's a long ways away. 18 miles. Or if he goes to Nain, 22 miles. 34 miles. 31 miles. But they wouldn't normally come through Samaria. They would go around. Right? So it would be even longer. Jerusalem is up. It's 2,500 feet above sea level. Now think about that journey. 650 feet below sea level to 2,500 feet above sea level, you're walking uphill. And you're walking a long ways. Let's just say this. Jesus wasn't afraid to go to church. Right? Jesus wasn't like, meh, meh. Do we really need to go do what God said? Do we really? No. He was going. And He was doing everything He needed to do to be there. And it was, it's cool. It's cool the example he gives us. In Deuteronomy 6, you see why he was going. Because I think sometimes we're like, well, why did he go? Well, you see why. So Deuteronomy 6, 16 through 17, it'll be on the screen. Three times a year, this is, you read Deuteronomy 16, it tells you all about these three times, but three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord, your God, at the place that he will choose. Just a little survey, men. What is the place that God has chosen for you to worship at? The church. The local church. That was weak. I mean, just one of us. Thank you. I mean, not you were weak, Kendall. Just one person was on it. I mean, that's the place God's chosen, man. We did the Meeting Places series. You can go online and look at it, listen to it. But they were required to go to the place that God had chosen at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's the Passover. At the Feast of Weeks, that's Pentecost. At the Feast of Booths, that's Tabernacles. 
they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. That makes sense about why there was a lot of like selling of things. Because they had to have some stuff in hand. Every man shall give as he is able. Okay? Some people were poor, they'd be buying pigeons. Some people that weren't poor, they'd be buying a lamb. Give as you are able, but always giving, always costing you something. Never for free, right? Well, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that He has given you. I just think this is great. I just think reading that is great. Reading that for me this week was great. It's like, oh yeah, that's why I go to church. Because God commands it. And that's why I bring a tithe and an offering. Because God says that's what we should do. He's blessed us and we're going to give back to Him. I just thought that was really clear. And then this last slide, the temple. Right? This will just give you a picture of what's going on. So you see the temple in the middle, but you see the kind of outer court there? That's the court of the Gentiles. And that's the court that we're really talking about. Now the, the Gentiles couldn't go into the holies or the Holy of Holies, right? Nobody could really go into that, except for once a year. But the Gentiles could come and be around the Holy. Why? To get closer to God, and to hear about who God was, Yahweh. Instead of the Jews making this outer court a welcoming and loving place for the Gentiles, like Jesus was focused on doing, they were like, Man, let's just make this a convenience mark. Right? And that's why Jesus, with righteous anger, was like, this is my Father's house. And you guys need to make a different choice. I love the clarity of this passage. So, um, just consider that uh, outer court there, the court of the Gentiles, just consider it to be like a mall. You ever been to the mall? At Christmas time? When it's like wall to wall, like people are like chucking you and you're like, what? Like, oh, they didn't mean to? But they're not saying they're sorry? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. You been to an airport terminal? No, not Rochester. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Crickets, right? I mean, you've been to an airport terminal, right? Like maybe not even Minneapolis. Like Chicago, you know, or something big where it's like crammed. That's what's happening here. It stinks, right? There's a bunch of sweaty people, right? All together, traveling, disgusting. They've come from miles and miles away. Maybe they've brought animals. Maybe they haven't. Depends on how far they traveled from and how much they wanted to sacrifice, I guess. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. Right? So, how did he do that? Did he bring his own rope? I don't know. I did. Um, <laughs> did he bring his own rope? I don't know. But just get yourself in the picture. He made a whip of cords. Basically, it was rope, right? And he, and he grabbed a rope, he doubled it over, doubled it over again, whatever he had to do, right, to get enough to like, make, it, make it happen. And he just started, what did it say? Driving out. I mean, this is like, 
Where's the Jesus that loves everybody? Where's the meek and mild Jesus that I have on my dresser? And this is Jesus focused. And we need to be focused like Jesus on the things that Jesus is focused about. That's powerful. I don't know if that penetrates your heart, but it penetrates mine. Sometimes we lack focus, church. Sometimes we're an unholy and an unpure bride. And, you know, in love, we need to be whipped. But who took the whipping for us? Every stripe of it, every red lash of it, He took. Everything we deserve today, because of our consumer mentality, He bore on His back, right? That's what we're going to celebrate in a couple weeks. Let that picture sink in. So he got the whip. And then he... The money changers, right? And he's like... You know? Oh, maybe not with the communion. All right. (laughs) And he just like... He literally... What would we call it? Makes a mess. Hold on, was he making a mess? No. No, they were making a mess of God's house. He was cleansing the temple. He was scourging it. It was awesome what he did there for us. Showing us how important it is for God's house to be holy, to be pure, And how important it is for you to have zeal and passion for the things of the Father. It's so clear to me. And it convicts me. Big time. Write this down. Driving out consumerism. Driving out consumer mentality. I just got a couple questions for you. I have a whole page of stuff on consumerism. I can't get to all that. Um... Maybe listen to that message I'm referencing and that'll help you. Let me just ask you this. Why do you come to church? Like, why did you come today? Fair? Maybe I should ask it like this. Why do I come to church? Well, in order to figure that out, it'd be like, why don't I go to church when I decide not to? That'll help. What keeps me from church? And then these two questions. Just think back to when you felt the most connected and involved in your church experience. What was happening then? And think back to, and maybe either of these could have been right now, which would be awesome. Um, when you felt the most disconnected and frustrated in your church experience. Think about those two kind of opposites, right? What were the things kind of surrounding that? One of the things we talk about at Harvest is a lot of times if you engage in worship, walk, and work, it it helps you to be more connected, engaged. It helps your experience to be better. And if you disengage from worship, walk, and work, and witness, a lot of times you kind of get disconnected and frustrated 
And you might even be like, why do you ask me to do these things every time? Like, no, no, that's not it. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. Back, back up. The truck. Like, we're just trying to go after God and we're not judging you or legalistic about it at all. We're just trying to like point to Him. Let's just go after Him. I'll use one example from our service. Anybody got a pew Bible? You got a pew Bible? Come on now. Come on. That's what we called it back in the day. Pew Bible. Do you see any pews? No. All right. But we give these free Bibles away. Nothing wrong. Joe, not, I love you. Okay? There's nothing wrong with you having a pew Bible, right? And, and, and that's not the point of this illustration. But I think this is a good illustration. Just a good illustration, right? So consumerism is when something that we said, well, we'll make it really simple for those that maybe don't have a Bible or those that didn't bring theirs today. We'll just like have one for them, right? With goodwill, we're like, but sometimes the goodwill of having a Bible for somebody can hurt people in their maturity, right? Because they don't bring their own Bible. And don't interact with their own Bible, right? And don't, you know, so unknowingly, you're like trying to do good for people, and then sometimes you can be hurting people, right? When helping hurts. You ever heard that phrase? So that's just an example. If you all came and you got a pew Bible, well done. Because we don't want you to sit there without a Bible, right? If you have a nice leather Bible at home, and you're using a paper one today, come on now. Shame on you. Bring your Bible to church. Why do we think that? Why do we think that? Because we want you to write in it. We want you to remember the things the Holy Spirit taught you today. Put it in there. Right? So, no offense, Joe. We're good. Dude, dude, come on. All right, if you need a Bible, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hook you up. Why do we put verses on the screen? As a matter of convenience, but then you don't you can get lazy. You didn't have to go to Deuteronomy. Where's Deuteronomy anyway? I don't even know. It's the fifth book in the Bible, right? We could all turn there. It just saved us a little time, right? But do you see how consumerism creeps in? We'll just make it easy for everybody. We'll just make it the gospel light. No, not the gospel light, the gospel, right? And so it's okay to do the hard thing. Sometimes when we make it easier, we're not making it better. And so we have to be careful. How might you know if you're a consumer Christian? Well, complain more than encourage. That's consumerism, right? Critical more than helpful. That's consumerism. (laughs) Just remember this verse. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus said that. It was said of Jesus... Right? People were saying that about Jesus. It's, it's, it's a thing. Zeal is a thing. We want to be zealous for the things of God. I've been told that I'm kind of intense. I believe that. Um, I like to chalk that up to zeal, but in the flesh, sometimes it's not zeal. It's just passion, my fleshly passion. And so I think knowing which it is is good, and I think going after the things of God is best. All right? Let's just be clear with that. All right? What is he really saying? A lot of people want to take this and say, anger's a good thing. Look, Jesus got angry. 
you remember last week when we said, like, put away anger? So is there two different kinds of anger? Yes. Righteous anger and unrighteous anger. You know what the problem is with those two different categories? Righteous anger is really hard to manage. And so if you think you have righteous anger, be careful. Right? But let's just get straight focused on Jesus and straight focused like Jesus so that righteous anger could even be a thing for us. Right? Anger only lasts for a moment. Righteous anger. Right? Now think about this. Does God stay angry at you when you confess? Nope. Only lasts for a moment. It's interesting, isn't it? Alright, let's keep going. Um, Jesus focused, driving out consumerism. Um, hey, spend some time in Psalm 69 this week. Um, ask yourself about your own tendencies. Am I here to give or to take? Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. Right? And uh, I think if we all come outdoing one another in giving, honor to one another, that we're all going to be better off. And let's take that into John Marshall High School next week. All right, this too. Focused like Jesus, then focused on Jesus. Focused on Jesus. The Jews, the authorities were like, hey, 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 hey. Right? <laughs> we're going to need a sign if you're some kind of new authority and prophet. We're going to need you to prove something, right? To us. And Jesus, uh, uh, at least He answered them. He didn't have to said, destroy this temple and in three days I will rise it up. I keep saying rise, raise. I will raise it up, okay? Sorry. Um, it has an A in there. Can you just consider Jesus being in the middle of the temple and these guys really pushing him, getting pushy now, right? Everybody else is gone. But the religious leaders are like, hey, 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 the police are here, right? And uh, what, are you, what are you doing here? Gonna take you away in cuffs. And and Jesus, can you imagine him just doing this? Destroy this temple. And in three days I'll raise it up. Can you imagine that? That's that's powerful. They they missed it. His disciples missed it. But once he rose from the dead, oh, they got it. They got it. And that helped them be focused on Jesus. This is why Easter, Good Friday, all these things are so important, right? Not the signs and miracles that make us believe, but the Savior that they point to, right? Not the big, shiny building, but the, the guy right here who's going to die for your sins. That's what the focus should be on. I'll just give you three things here. His body is God's house. That's what he's saying. Jesus is like, my body is God's house. Jesus' body is God's house. This body, these are all biblical principles. You could look up for this one, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 2. Uh, this body, this local assembly of believers is God's body. God's house. And then my body, my particular, right here, this here is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 
6, 19 and 20. I'll just read it for you quick. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Your body. My body. My body is God's house. So take a page out of Jesus' book when he's like, hey, you know, you can destroy this, but man, it's going to get raised, raised again. You know what? People could persecute you. People could spit on you, kick you. They can throw you in jail. They can do whatever they want to you. They cannot take eternal life from you. Right? We are so focused on Jesus Christ, on the cross, the resurrection, that we were like, do whatever you want. Kill me if you have to. But we're going to be together in eternity with Jesus. That's the kind of focus we have to have. Focus on Jesus. Their physical thinking confirms their spiritual apathy. Do you see it there? It took us 46 years to build this. He's not talking about buildings, man. He's talking about Himself. He's talking about us. The church. He's talking about you, Ed. He's talking about you. You're the house of God. Write this down. Desiring Christ in His church. That's how you'll be focused. On Jesus. Desiring Christ and His church. Focused like Jesus. Driving out consumerism. Focused on Jesus. Desiring Christ and His church. This last thing really quickly. Just comes from verse 22. When therefore He was raised from the dead. When did that happen? Like three years later. Matter of fact, just a little tidbit. This is the first time Jesus scourged the temple. All the other three Gospels have the second occurrence, which is three years later. This first one started their wrath against Him. This last one, that ended it. When He did that, they're like, you're going to die. You've challenged our authority for the last time. It's on. Aren't you glad Jesus cleansed the temple? Because if He didn't, He might not have died for you. We all know that that was God's plan from the beginning and He was focused on that the whole time. Focused with Jesus. That's the last point. Focused with Jesus. You see, Jesus was focused on the cross. He was focused on being faithful. He was focused on being fruitful. The right kind of fruit. Healthy, vibrant fruit, not rotten fruit. And we want to be focused with Jesus on those things. His disciples remember that He had said and they believed the Scripture and the Word that Jesus had spoken. The Scripture and the Word that Jesus had spoken. Just, just take your Bible in your hand. This is what they're talking about. They believed this. Psalm 69.9 They believed this. Every word that Jesus Christ said. They believed this. 
So if you want to be focused with Jesus, you're going to have to have this memorized, meditated on. It's going to have to be a part of your day. It's a big deal. This, this, this right here is a great gift from God to us. Let's not forget that. This is what they believed in. This is what caused them to see it. This is what we believe in, right? We believe all the stories, all the things it says about Jesus, that they're actually true. That every one of them happened. And that that makes Jesus God. I mean, it's all recorded for us. And what, why is he writing the whole book of John anyway? John 20, right? Well, let's just throw it on the screen. A little consumerism. Here we go. Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's it. That's it. So what is Jesus focused on? Maybe you could just make a little list. Right? Make a little list. What is Jesus focused on? Here, here's five things Jesus is focused, focused on. Discipleship. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. <laughs> the word right there is, is disciples. Right? He had them. This whole book talks about how He interacted with them. Discipleship's a thing to Jesus. He's focused on that. We should be focused on that with Jesus. He's focused on remembering... He told us to what? Remember His death, burial, and resurrection by taking communion. Right? So discipleship's a thing. Right? Bearing witness for Jesus Christ and being baptized. That's discipleship. Remembering's a thing. Communion. Well, these are some things that Jesus is focused on. We should be too. God's will, God's word, the Bible. I kind of made that plain just a second ago. This we ought to be focused on. The cross, Jesus was always headed towards the cross. He's like, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up again. What is he talking about? He's talking about the cross. He came three years earlier. He's like, I'm going to the cross. This whole thing's about the cross. He knew where he was going. He was focused on the cross, and with him, we need to be focused on the cross as well. The gospel should always be central to us as believers. And last, he's focused on holiness, purity, and prayer. I would just say this, confession and continual transformation. Confession and continual transformation. Why did he do what he did in this passage? Do you think he was just like, man, I'm just going to have a bad day? No, I think he wanted them to confess, to change. He wanted whatever was happening to not happen anymore. And so for us, as we go to communion today, I think confession is a great thing. And I was just thinking about that. What are some things that you're going to leave here at Kellogg and you're not going to take with you to JM? Right? What are, what are some things that you're like, nah, no, nah, I've had this long enough. I'm not taking this to the next place we go. You know how you like graduated from high school and you didn't really study in high school? Come on now. It's like I could get A's and B's without even trying. A few C's and D's, but whew, I passed. All right. And then I went to college. And I was like, I'm paying for this, one. And two, I was like, 
I want to reinvent myself. I want to be different. I want to be known for different things. And I want to know different things. And so in college, I got all straight A's, except for one, one C. Guess what class that was? Worship leading. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do this very well. I still can't do it very well. Good thing it's not required in the church. C. I call my teacher, first year teacher, Captain C, from the day I got my grade, with respect and love. <laughs> Here's the last thing, write it down. Dwelling in Christ. Spend some time in uh, John 15 this week. Dwelling in Christ. Dwelling in Christ. Focused with Jesus. So this is abiding in Christ. Um, some things that I maybe uh, could tell you we could leave here at Kellogg would be um, disunity or divisiveness. Let's leave that behind and let's have unity, hey? Discouragement for any reason. <laughs> let's leave that behind and let's be encouraged. Discontentment with yourself or with anyone else. Let's leave that behind and let's be content with one another and with who Christ is and what He's doing. I'm just going to end our time at Kellogg by reading an awesome passage from John 15. It's just verse 4 and following. It says this, focused with Jesus, right? Abide in me, Jesus speaking to His disciples, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the true vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words, scriptures, words of Christ, abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, which is our mission, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Church, that's what we're going after. We've got to be laser focused. Jesus focused. All right? That's the kind of focus we want. Focused like Jesus was focused on Jesus Himself, and focused with Jesus now that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. That is, to sum it all up, simply Jesus, right? Just, just stay there. Simply Jesus. That's it. Just simply Jesus. Just Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's it. Let's pray. God, so grateful. So grateful for Your Word keeps us focused, keeps us anchored, helps us as disciples to remember who You are, the things You've done, the things You're going to do. And um, man, Lord, we just want to continue to be focused on You and want to have the same focus You had. Hmm. I just ask You uh, to help us to do that. So apart from You, we can do nothing. But abiding in You, we can have the focus you have and be focused on you.
for the glory of God. Thank you for this building. Thank you for this place. Thank you for the janitors and how faithful they've been. We're grateful and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.